Greetings from Toronto, Ontario. I am Shmuel Neft, otherwise known as Rabbi NFT. And I'm Dovey Kiedman, joining you from Erie, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Millennial Rabbis Podcast. As Chabad rabbis born in the 90s, we bridge the gap between two very distinct Jewish communities on opposite shores of Lake Erie. Join us as we navigate the complexities of the modern world, offering fresh perspectives on the challenges we face today. Let's make sense of it all together. Welcome back to MRP, the Millennial Rabbis Podcast. Um, I'm holding a cigar just because. You remember, you remember the reason, Dovey, why uh, we dip a vegetable in salt water uh, during, the, during the Passover Seder? Something to do with questions, right? It's just because, just so that you would notice and it would make you interested. I did this to change it up. Also, I realized that I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a very um, fidgety kind of guy, so I might as well fidget with class, with a cigar. You know, the Joe Rogans of the world, the big podcasters are uh, are always usually smoking them, but I'm in my office, so whatever. I'll put this on because I want you to do more Jewish. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Davi. We were, uh, you were, you and I were single dads this weekend. Can you we're let the dads. world know about uh, what was going on? So this week, this over the weekend, was the International Kinus Hashulches, the convention of uh, Chabad Rebbesons, uh from literally all over the world. Kind of like we had the Kinus like a couple months ago. So they had their own Kinus this past weekend. And um, all us rabbis out there who don't know how to cook... <laughs> don't know how to do anything uh, we had to learn to survive and it was at times difficult but definitely well worth it for multiple reasons um i know on my end i gained tremendously from it it's just like connection with my kids that i don't usually get um and they learned to appreciate very basic cooking uh, <laughs> And, you know, my wife uh, gained tremendously from this uh, recharge of going to this convention. And it was just overall very, very good. Very draining. Very draining. I'm not going to lie. But it was great. What about you? So same same old, same thing. Very draining. Um, look, the convention is an amazing experience. My wife just went for the first time since um, right after we moved. Five years. Oh, wow. Because of paperwork uh, complications and COVID and stuff. So um, so she was happy to be back. She had a really, really great time, uplifting experience. I had a great time um, with my children, my mother-in-law. Uh, there's many here know who lives with us. Uh, so I didn't have to cook. Um, but it is quite a handful to be a single dad of three, three boys. Um, but you know what? My kids are on their best behavior. We did a... Um, when the first when we, for the first day when I brought them home, I lined them up like in the army, and I spoke to them like a drill sergeant, literally. <laughs> um, and I told them, I gave them the ground rules, and I made them salute, and they saluted me. Uh, I can't say that they kept to all the ground rules, but um, yeah, I'm noticing it was a great hairs over there in your beard. Just kidding. What? I said I noticed some new white hairs in your beard. Yeah, it can do that. It can do that, especially my kids. Um, we live in a in a perpetual UFC fight, you know, mixed mixed martial arts. Um, so yeah, so this past weekend was that uh, conference for the female leaders of the Chabad movement, um, and uh, it's a really it's a really special, you know, these these the, the our you know our convention their convention 
is a very special time. It's something that I think we all look forward to every single year. The recharge, the ability to come together, to see to see friends that we see once a year, to hear perspectives and different workshops and seminar and and, and um, seminars and stuff like that. Um, so there, that was you know that that is a really awesome experience. I'm really happy that my wife had that. At the same time, I actually had um, an event, a pretty big event, uh, as my wife was as my wife was gone. Um, oh, we hosted, the, what? The, the guy from, from you know about the guy. So yeah. it's this guy who he and his wife famously they became they became viral in Israel. They survived the Nova Festival. His name is Roy Roy, and his wife his name is Yona Asaraf is their last name. <clears throat> so he was he's been doing this 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 world this world tour and talking America and Mexico. So I. We flew him down to speak. We had about seventy something people. Beautiful event, and then and, and the story is, is is beyond. It's telling you the story that's riddled with 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 points of divine divine intervention, where you like you like you look back and you're like, wow, this whole thing had God's hand in it. And the 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 moral of their story is is that they, as a result of their experience, they decided to start keeping more mitzvahs and becoming more active in their Judaism. So they're completely secular. And they, he talks about how his whole life he was, the guy's covered in tattoos. He, his whole life he's, he, he was looking for something, was never finding it, and was going to all the wrong places to find it. And he finally feel, feels like a sense of belonging, a sense of meaning. Um, and it was really uplifting for people, you know, you know, regular, regular Jews from Toronto to hear the story and to hear this guy basically say, it doesn't take a tragedy. It doesn't, like, I used to, guy, like, the guy's like, I've got two friends you know, in, in captivity, a few others are dead. <clears throat> a bunch of others are dead. It doesn't need to take a tragedy for you to connect Hashem. Wow. Hashem is as present in your life as, as you see, as it was present in my story. Um, and that was really beautiful. And, you know, Israel is still on our minds last week, the last two weeks ago, last episode, we spoke about it. Um, and we kind of put, um, I, we put, we put out to the world, uh, kind of a poll, should we talk about it again? Should we not? Um, and uh, the, the resounding poll. feedback. Uh, what? Got to listen to the poll. Got to listen to the poll. Yeah. We got to respect what the people want. Resounding feedback was that we should talk about Israel again. So a little, here a little, we are. A little warning. We we don't know what's going to come out of our mouths for a very simple reason. Like we said, it's been a little bit of a hectic week. Uh, we're both drained. We're both overtired. It's not uh, Tuesday afternoon, by the way, like we usually record. It's Tuesday night. Different day of the week. It's a different time of the week. Um, both exhausted. And this is the, what number? Like 117th time we're trying to record this. <laughs> it wasn't working out. Yeah, that's why you're you're in a different, but you're, the background is different and the sound quality is a little different as well. But for, by the way, for the sake of consistency, we can't, we couldn't film tomorrow, Wednesday. We had to film today, and the episode has to come out on Thursday. This, we take this seriously. Even if we're going to get 10 views, Dovey, yeah. we're going to make sure that this podcast comes out every single two weeks on Thursdays at 12 p.m. on four yes, different yes. platforms. <clears throat> and by the way, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you listen. Um, and so, by the way, the cigar is also a product. Is thanks to my wife's uh, trip to the convention. I, she flew in and out of Buffalo <laughs> International Airport, and so duty free, duty. Managed, duty duty free, obviously. Um, and so I'm really excited. It's got it's got it's got a really good aroma and taste of, with a hint of chocolate. It's it sounds it's a real hint of cocoa. I don't know if you you don't probably don't appreciate it like I do. It, it's maybe for you it's like coffee for me. I don't know, but uh... 
I have coffee for me is also, you know, uh, I, I, I look, whatever, whatever, if it's enjoyable, I'll enjoy it. That's my rule. Israel. So last week, we kind of talked a lot about metaphysical, spiritual, emotional, a lot of these things, identity with our people. I, 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 I wanted to talk about the, practical. the, what's going on on the ground. Practical. Thank you. Practical. The, 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 the Russian, the Rebbe said a lot, the, no, the Ukrainian phrase. What's the words? Come on, you know better than I do. I'm blanking. Deer in the headlight. This is what happens when we're tired. Okay, fine. Exactly. So, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of talk going on um, in the news. Uh, unfortunately, politics in Israel are sizzling up and people are disagreeing with what should be done. And, <clears throat> you know, some people that have that have some people, public figures that have voices, whether they're politicians or the media, are saying things that, in my opinion, and this is because this is the way we were educated, is just so off. And 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 it's sad because 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 public opinion depends on these people. And you want you want to you want to say to yourself, I wish that all news channels would stop functioning at least right now. You know. Because like it, in in Israel, especially, it seems like it's it's like a self destruct. It's like you're 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 bringing upon these arguments and debates that are that are, are accomplishing the exact opposite of what needs to be accomplished, which is unity in the face of an existential threat. Right. So and I had know, this. There was a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago that spoke about unity a lot. Um, two rabbis. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. was it the Millennial Rabbis podcast episode three? Podcast. Subscribe now. Subscribe now. <laughs> this whole episode is going to be an advertisement. The point is like this: I had I had a conversation today <clears throat> between meetings in a free with my in my free time with one of the staff in our office, in the head, uh, headquarters of our organization, GRC Jewish Russian Community Center. Um, and she's a bookkeeper, and she's a Russian Israeli. Doesn't you know not not observant? She would say definitely not observant. That's the way she would. That's the way, the way she would put it mildly. Who says? What do you think? She says, we have, we're a cursed people. They keep coming after us. They keep attacking us. They keep threatening us, want to kill us. We must be cursed. And so I said like this. The Jewish people were a blessed people. But our leadership sometimes fails to see that. And that's the problem. That is the problem. So I'm a, stu- I'm a student of history. I love history. In fact, I used to get in trouble for essentially teaching history classes in school. My teachers, my teachers didn't know history. Um, <laughs> I can see that. And so I look back and I see what has happened in history. And in recent history, you don't, don't have to go back. We only have to go back to 1948. Obviously, one of the main, one of the biggest talking points that the other side has is you're colonial settlers. You came in 48. You're taking over you know, the, 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 the poor the poor um, abused class of of darks of dark people. I'm sorry for putting it like that. Where it's turning into this class war. That you're just the funny thing is, I'm just go, I'm going a little off topic, but it's still part of the topic. A lot of the things that we hear in the pro-Palestine camp is straight up unfiltered KGB propaganda. <clears throat> now you're you're wondering probably what I, what I'm what I'm talking about. But what happened was, is the Soviet Union famously was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in the sense that its vote was what basically allowed the UN 
to to approve the partition plan, which only the Israelis accepted and the Arabs didn't accept and led to Israeli independence. The Soviets had thought that Israel would become a beacon for communism because Israel was very much um, was very much led by leftist ideals, kibbutz, kibbutzim, the leftist parties, etc. And then they became disappointed after after the Jews um, miraculously won their war of independence in the in forty eight, and um, and then uh, and then uh, they they kind of realized that is they tried pushing diplomatically Israel to kind of come into their camp, but it wasn't working, and so it became this another kind of another flashpoint between the U.S. and the, and the Soviet Union in the world um, of proxies during the Cold War. Uh, which culminated in 67 with the Six-Day War. Now, the Soviets threw themselves behind the Arab powers in the Six-Day War, the, the Syrians, the Jordanians, the, 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 the Egyptians. <clears throat> and what happened? The Jews kicked their butts, and they, were all, they, were, they, all, left, they all left the battlefield with their tails behind their, with behind their legs, back to where they came from, and the Soviet Union was disappointed. At that point, the Soviet Union began realized that they were not. Th this is crazy. The, the the Soviet Union and the Soviet government realized they are not going to get anywhere with Israel, and that Israel seems to be ending out on top. And so they decided to to create what we call the kryptonite, referring to um, the the material. It's famous. I don't know. You know what kryptonite is? Okay, so kryptonite is a, is 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 a, is a made up material from the Superman comics. Superman, it, Superman, by the way, this was created by Jews, was invincible. Definitely. You can shoot him. You can you can run him over. You can do anything. He wouldn't he wouldn't die. He wouldn't he wouldn't even be, be scratched. The only thing that could damage Superman and kill him is kryptonite. Anyway, so that's like the Achilles heel. The kryptonite for Israel is public relations. The KGB is not stupid. So that's from '67 and on is when the Palest pro-Palestine PLO Yasser Arafat narrative started to build. They realized they're not going to win them on the battlefield. They're going to win them in the field of public opinion. And let's be real. It has been a disaster for public opinion for Israel ever since. And people, now most of the people that are peddling pro-Palestine don't care because they are they are people that love communism, KGB, Soviet, you know, all this stuff. They're the revolutionaries. But people unknowingly you are peddling a talking point from the KGB when you go pro Palestine because other, because it makes no it makes no sense otherwise. And so <clears throat> there are certain ideals upon which the Jewish people survives and thrives and weathers all the storms of history. Now let's remember all the enemies of the Jewish people are in history books. Okay, we 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 celebrate their deaths by eating food. Okay, Haman, Purim, we eat we eat the cookies. Passover, Pharaoh, we eat the matzah. Hanukkah, the the Greeks, we eat latkes. We 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 destroy you. We eat. That's what happens. Okay. Are there, am I missing a holiday? Uh, plenty of holidays, but uh, I will say, by the way, just a, a plug over here. Um, if you would like a uh, class of an, a biased yet true version of history, or Rabbi Shmuel, he's not available for hire. He's too busy. I wouldn't say it's biased. I would say it's quite objective. It's, <laughs> it's the truth. Anyway. The, the bias is related to the passion. Right. The, 
Jewish people's survival has, has well, first of all, is very, very divinely oriented. But also, the Wait, key to our success is no what? Reason why, no reason why we should be sitting here today. No logical reason. Correct. Correct. There is no reason why the Jewish people should, we're like as uh, Rabbi Yossi Jacobson, Y.Y. Jacobson loves to say, the Jewish people is the size of an error on a Chinese census. It's true. Unity. Unity is the tool number one for Jewish survival. When we, and we see this throughout Jewish history, disunity amongst Jews creates damage, creates Holocaust. The, the Roman, when we talk about the Roman exile, the destruction of the Second Temple, that was a Holocaust. It was a bloodbath. The blood was literally flowing down the stone streets of Jerusalem. We talk about it as fables of history. Why did that happen? Yeah. It was it was it was that was a, ter- uh, a tragedy unto itself, but the 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 murder and the the horrible things that happened at the time were just kind of just like we don't think about it, but like you said, it was a bloodbath. It was a bloodbath, and it was brought on by what disunity. Okay. So, so unity is tool is the is weapon number one for the Jewish people, but there's a lot of other things that 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 you know you want it you want to scream at the TV sometimes or at the, the screen, whatever you're watching the updates where they're talking about deals and they're talking about restraint and, and humanitarian pauses and humanitarian aid. So I want to bring, I want to bring in <clears throat> a point that I mentioned. I think I mentioned last episode a little bit like in passing, but it's very important as part of the, a lot part, really part of the conversation in is in, in contemporary, like Israeli you know, discussion about what's going on. Israel prides itself on being a liberal democracy in an oasis in, of liberalism in the sea of, of you know, the Middle East. It, it sounds great. It looks great. It, there's, it has that sort of ideal has created different opportunities within Israel, you know, like they say, the startup nation and all the tech companies that are coming nothing there's nothing wrong with that the only problem is that when it comes to israel's enemies israel's enemies which by the way are the same enemies that the united states fought since 9 11 the same mindset these people they don't talk liberal they talk middle east yeah okay now let's instead of instead of talking about political strategy or or or, or battle strategy Let's talk Torah. The the one of the well, I, I was fascinated by one of the it was the first it was the first video made by Jewish Educational Media, which is the organization that 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 uh, that propagates videos of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, they they make a weekly video. It was the first weekly video after October seventh, yeah. and it was about you. You watched it? Okay, yeah. It's about it was about the um. Uh, it's about the Operation Shloma Galil, which in English translates Peace in the Galilee, which was the Israeli intervention in uh, Lebanon in 1982. Basically, what happened was, is Lebanon had a civil war. It became a lawless mess hole. And the, the, the PLO, under the, under the leadership of Yasser Arafat, were, were exiled from Jordan, where they caused plenty of mayhem and killed plenty of people. They were exiled into Lebanon and they set up their shop in Lebanon. And from Lebanon, which borders Israel, they were attacking Israel. And they had crazy 
you had in you had in the seventies you had crazy crazy terrorist attacks besides the famous ones of Munich and all the and all the and all of the uh, hijackings in Entebbe you had Malot which was which was a bloodbath in northern Israel it was it became it became it became too much and Israel intervened the Israeli army reached Beirut okay Beirut that's the capital of Lebanon it's halfway through the country. And they did it quite fast, mind you, because the Israeli army is extremely, not, not only extremely, uh, extremely well-trained, at least on paper, um, but it's got, but most importantly, it's, it's blessed by God. They get to Beirut and they stop. They stop in Beirut because the American government under Ronald Reagan, who was a Republican president and had put pressure on Menachem Begin, who was then the prime minister of Israel, not to go any further, um, to not to destroy the city and not to create civilian casualties and not to not to not. What happened was the Israeli army was stuck there in this quagmire stalemate that ended up destroying morale, destroying morale on the battlefield, destroying morale at home. In the end, the world turned against Israel as usual. And uh, the American government pro pro pressed for a ceasefire, and they came up with it. They came to a deal with um, the PLO that the PLO would, the leadership of the PLO would 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 exit would be self exile themselves to Tunisia, and that's it. The, the Israeli army would back off. That itself was a reason was was a cause for many problems, many problems until today, uh, because of that. Because Israel had the opportunity, could have, could have, I don't how politically correct are we going to be here? Can we say, can I say they could have leveled Beirut and under the rubble could have been Yasser Arafat, a person who caused, who caused, who caused killings of thousands of Jews in the decades afterwards. And instead he ran away to Tunisia and, and saw and lived another day and lived another few decades. And the Rebbe was you hear the way the Rebbe talks about it, just even if you don't understand fully what he's saying, but you hear the way he talks about it with a tone of voice, so pained and so upset. Frustrated. Frustrated. Where the Rebbe says, you had a chance to destroy your biggest threat. And you let, and you let your biggest threat live another day because someone else pushed you to, to the world, because because of the world, because of what the world thinks. And so this has been the motif. Right, so this is, this is I'll, I'll just plot, plot myself in here a little bit. The, the, you know, just to connect the first topic and this topic, the over the past weekend, you know, part of the, the surviving factor was um, some good old Jewish uh, educational videos for my kids to keep them a little bit occupied a little bit throughout the day. And uh, one of the videos my, my son likes to watch is called Itch Kaduzi. If you've ever heard of it, um, it's it's a puppet show kind of thing. It's it's very very good humor. It's uh, good for adults. By the way, it's it's one of those kids shows that adults really get. <laughs> so there's a certain point with the the, the in one of the the Hanukkah episode where I'm trying to make it a point. I'm just talking about the kids shows um, where Rabbi Kaduzi, the main guy, he goes to City Hall to get a permit to light his uh, menorah at, um, for his uh, his Hanukkah event. So he's, the big menorah that he's lighting. And the guy behind the register at the counter is like this old, like Mr. Wisinski, his name is. He's just like, you're one of those guys that are not ever happy. Um, 
And at a certain point, he Rabbi Kedusi gets really annoyed with him because he's not giving him the permit, and he's uh, he just he lets it off at him, and he and the guy says, "Oh, now I'm crying in front of all my friends." And in the back, when you hear, "We're not your friends," so it's important to realize that we're not your friends. Israel, <laughs> as much as we have allies, and God bless yeah. those who help Israel, and they and those who who do help them and support them, they will be blessed, and that's that's a fact. Um, the reality is, the true reality is, we're not your friends. That we can't rely on outside support. We need to we need to do what's right, not what public opinion says. And that, by the way, you see it now. What's what's happening? The the pressure, at least by in the United States, and this has happened. This has happened many times over the decades. The U.S. the executive branch, really, the president of the United States, for the most part, and the State Department under his under his guidance, press for certain agendas. In, in certain political circumstances that they that that affect them, so the, which brings us to one of the points I think we wanted to discuss, which starts with the uh, dis, this abysmal disastrous deal that was done in 1979 when 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 Israel gave the Sinai Peninsula back to back gave it away to Egypt during the, the Camp David Accords. Another thing that the Rebbe screamed about another the re- what? Bring one of our points that we plan on saying when, once you said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the rabbi actually spoke interestingly after the fact and said, it makes no sense to me. He says, the way that things were set up, the Egyptians, the Egyptian president, Anwar Sadat, needed to win a victory at home. He needed to have a, he needed to have a public... It's important for people who don't know this. Uh, the, the, the rabbi wasn't a rabbi, you know, a typical rabbi. The, you had military leaders often would come to the Rebbe to get military advice. Not even military leaders, sometimes military engineers. Right. Crazy story about someone locally in Toronto, oh, uh, yeah. uh, something along those lines. Um, this is a man whose who's brain is beyond capacity what we can really relate to. Correct. And correct. Absolutely. To truth and to peace and to, to goodness and, you know, against anything that stands in the way of that. Um, to, as you were saying, go ahead. So you know, you're absolutely right. I'm saying the Rebbe, the Rebbe saw, the Rebbe was able to, to express very prophetically um, certain necess- necessary moves in the security and diplomacy in Israel. That because they didn't listen to him, things ended up bad. But here's what happened in, in 1979: the Egyptians needed the Egyptian president needed a uh, he was losing his he was losing a lot of support domestically. He needed a win domestically. Jimmy Carter was a failed president of the United States. He needed to win domestically. The only person, the only party of the three parties, says the Rebbe, the Rebbe, Lubavitcher Rebbe said this in public. The only party of the three parties that had nothing to gain from making a deal with Egypt, and he said they would have made a deal either way. They would have made a deal with land transfer or no land transfer because they were so, the, the, those, the two other parties were so desperate to get there, to bring home a win. Yet Israel, for some reason, decided that it was in their best interest to hand over a massive piece of land that not only served as a security buffer zone, that saved who God knows how many tens of thousands of lives during the Yom Kippur War, but also was rich in oil. And so that brings us to land. Land for peace is a failed project. The Lubavitcher Rebbe screamed about land for peace 
be that it's going to be a failed project right. and he was right and here's the thing like to, to you know you know 30 40 50 years ago to you 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 either believe the Rebbe or you trust the Rebbe or you don't right you have that 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 choice if you choose now you look back vision obviously is 2020 it's just you have to look at history just to look 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 what's going on like and and the reason and 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 it's so and it's the 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 crazy thing is the Rebbe spoke about it in many different contexts. First of all, it's according to Jewish law, you are not allowed to give away territory to your enemies who are actively threatening you. That's according to, to Jewish law. That's 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 in my in my backyard in Toronto. If the neighbor behind my house says I want to kill you, um, and you know uh, unless you give me a piece of your backyard, according to Jewish law, I can't give him a piece of my backyard. I as as a good Western Pennsylvania would say, I lock and load my AR-415, you know? Are you quoting a particular individual? Yes. <laughs> shout out to who you know who you are. Shout out, shout out to the individual who for sure will get the shout out. Um, but um, so Land for Peace, Land for Peace, why didn't it work purely on a psychological on a psychological level? It's now being taught. The crazy thing is about it's being talked about in the Israeli news today. The Rebbe said this decades ago, 40, 50, 40 something odd years ago, that the neighbors of Israel are of a certain mindset where you either completely destroy them, and that's called victory in their eyes, and they will back off, or you or they take advantage of you. And they convince you and take advantage of your Western ideals and they convince you to do things that are not in your interest, that end up being in their interest, to allow them to further attack you. The crazy thing about it is that some of the leaders, like I heard I heard recently that there's a there's an interview from George W. Bush at some point. They asked him, like, did he like like did he feel like it was his pressure that got Ariel Sharon to give Gaza back in 2005? And he's like, nope. We, we were like this. He's like, that wasn't even one of our talking points. Like he, he came up with that one on his own. We're, it's like, we're, we're so, we just Jews have this problem where we continuously try to find um, grace in the world's eyes. But as we see now, and that's why like, and I, and I, I say, I tell this to people all the time. I say this by the Shabbat meal. I say this by, I say this in my classes. I say, I would never, have spoken like so openly about things like this. Um, <clears throat> oh, Dubby, did I lose you? I don't know. Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. I was saying if I would have never spoken so openly about all these things, especially because, you know, some of them are controversial, um, you, you know, that they would, you know, stir up people's uh, whatever and make, you know, depending on the context. But here it's like, this, the Jews just went through a Holocaust. It could have been, by the way, it could have been way worse. We don't talk about. That 3,000 terrorists in Israel could have theoretically, if it weren't for the hand of God, killed, God forbid, far more people. But besides that fact, we go, the Jewish people go through a Holocaust. Five seconds, we have the world's sympathy. After five seconds, no one cares. That's the world correct. isn't different. The world... Yeah, they're not, they're not even the first of all, they're the ones that right away started screaming and yelling. And those people you see, those their true colors come out. And then there are people that had that will say, I condemn the killing of the killing of innocent civilians, and it's terrible, and it's so not right, and it sets back the Palestinian cause because really, we're it's like 
Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have any friends. We're that, we're that, we're that kid in the back of the class that no one likes, and we'll never, he will never be liked. That's the crazy thing. We will never be liked. It will never happen because anti-Semitism. At the same time, though, meaning use your analogy, the kid in the back class that no one likes, we are a likable kid. We are a blessed nation, as you said earlier. We're not cursed. But That's true. We are a blessed nation, but you you realize, and, th- and this is what, and this is. Oh man, do we lose? This goes on the the point that hello, um, the lady from our office was I uh, was making to her. I think I lost Dovey, but I'm going to continue talking anyway. Um, the point that I was making to her Earth is, calling we Rabbi. are a blessed nation that doesn't see the blessing that we have, in the sense you. that yeah, we yeah, don't you. realize our own mission in this world. Oh, I've completely lost him. All right. It's a solo gig. I'm saying <clears throat> the Jews are a blessed people that doesn't realize its own role in the world. And sometimes we lose, we lose, we lose the course. We lose the understanding of where we're supposed to be heading. Um, what is our mission? Why are we here? What is our purpose? And a lot of times it's the Jewish, you know, Jewish people telling, oh, Davi, you want to you want to say you want to say something to the to the audience? I'm still recording. I'm actually still talking. <laughs> really? I I don't know. I don't. I, you're frozen. I'm still recording. I don't know. <laughs> we're still recording, but you know what? For the sake of consistency, and because we're already over the 30 minute mark, um, we'll just continue by phone. Hopefully, people can hear you on my microphone. I'm holding my phone up to my microphone. What I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is, is that we, as the Jewish people, as many times we lose course in the sense of understanding what our mission is in this world. We're, we were tasked to be the, the Orla Goyim, the light upon the nations. Yes, it feels, you want to say, second, you, for a second, you're telling yourself, ah, is, am, I, am I saying that I'm superior to everybody else? Am I saying, am I making myself different? You're definitely making yourself different. And the world will tell you that. You know why the world can't stand the Jewish people, Debbie? The reason why anti-Semitism exists and, 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 and sometimes exists very strongly, and it will always exist, but right. it gets stronger and it gets weaker, is because the world is demanding. They want to see the Jews do what the Jews need to do. For sure. The Jews are supposed to be a united people. So the world says, you guys are not united. You're a joke. You're supposed to be a united people. The Jewish people are supposed to be a morally strong people. They see the Jewish people not morally strong. You're a joke. The Jewish people are supposed to be people that defend their own at any cost. And the world sees that they're not able to do that. They're seeing that the Israeli government is more than happy to send, to send aid straight into the hands of terrorists without any sort of boundary and without any sort of limit for the sake of being liked by the rest of the world. And the rest of the world looks at the Jewish people and says, you are not serious. You're a joke. What do you say? I say I hear that. I hear that. Of course, I see it. What we do about that? What we can do is we can educate. Uh, we can be educated ourselves, and we can educate um, those around us. And um, it also and, and it ultimately starts with a strong sense of Jewish pride, a Jewish an, an unmitigated, unfiltered Jewish pride. In other words, I a certain feeling of soundness and certainty in my, in my God-given position here. 
So when someone comes to me personally and says, you're a Zionist baby killer, you're responsible for the, for the, for the deaths of Palestinian children without any sort of a genocide and all this garbage that they're throwing at us. And you, and all you have to say is no, no, I'm not. And God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people. He promised it to Abraham. Um, so this conversation is over to be able to build yourself up to, to, with, with a certain certainty in your, in your Judaism. This is, if we do this as a whole people, we will get to this, to this point where we will, we will be relentlessly Jewish. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, I guess, let's, let's, I think we're going to have to continue this conversation, this conversation next time. Next time or, um, we're at the 36 minute mark at this point. Mark at this point. <laughs> Man, it was not not our lucky day this time. What? It's working out the way it's supposed to work out. Yeah, everything is for a reason. Um, closing words, Dovey, because as usual, I did. I took the microphone. Closing words. Closing words. Uh, if uh, Homer can, can hear me, either recording here or on the phone over here. Closing words. I have, I have a woman, a woman in, our in our community here that, that um, we helped bury a relative, uh, relative of hers passed away. Um, completely, um, completely secular, secular irreligious um, Jew. Jew. And, and at the funeral, at the funeral, she, after the funeral, she, after the funeral like, like, we came close now. But she said that there, there was a certain feeling, feeling that, she that she had that she's never felt before. She's atheist officially, but certain feelings she's never felt before. And it was such a pure, beautiful feeling at that funeral. And, and that's a sense, that's of, a Jewish sense of Jewish identity that we're talking that about, we're talking but, about. Not but not a one-time one thing. thing. That's a constant, constant thing. thing. Not, not that I'm Jewish because, because I, you know, I eat matzo ball soup once in a while. I'm not Jewish, I'm not because, Jewish because I go to synagogue on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. I'm not Jewish, I'm not Jewish because, because whatever. Whatever. These are all cultural, all cultural externalities. externalities. We're talking about being Jewish and feeling Jewish. And Jewish education, Jewish education, and doing Jewish, doing Jewish, doing Jewish is really where it's at. Yes, do more Jewish, do more Jewish. Dovey, through hell or high water, as we say, we made episode four a reality. Even as I hold this phone up to the microphone, so just like we are dedicated to making what with the cigar in your other hand, with the cigar in my other hand, of course. As much as we are dedicated to making sure MRP comes out every two weeks consistent, we hope that you will be dedicated to like, subscribe, and listen to the full episode. Um, I have, we have a lot of with your friends, and also and please also let us know please any let us know any other topics, topics you'd like us to discuss. Please, yes, let us know. Uh, give us your feedback. Yeah, I'm sure we're gonna get Dovey. We're gonna get a lot of comments in this one. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily because of the content. The content is definitely worth commenting on, but just the way everything just played out over here tonight, um, yeah. this is going to be an, it's a neat episode. But guys, let us know what we should talk about. Two weeks to the next episode, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna expand the range of topics of discussion. And um, look, we're gonna bring Mashiach soon. Now, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. okay, Dubby. All right. Talk to you. All right. All right.